0: everyone i'm excited to be here today with jeremy shockley and jeremy is the ceo and founder of elio and elio is a workflow management platform specializing in the optic industry or at least that's where they are starting out here and jeremy will share more about that but something unique that i actually haven't come across yet so excited to hear more about the story so jeremy starting thank you for joining us so Thank you for having me,
1: Jeremy, but, or uh, Jerry, sorry.
0: Yeah, you're Jeremy, I'm Jerry, and <laughs> we're
1: reading there. the wrong part on the Close. Zoom.
0: Yeah, but uh, this is all part of what this interview is about. It's just a candid conversation about, you know, who you are and what your company is is doing. So, Jeremy, start off by telling us a little bit about your background and, you know, what brought you to the point of being the founder of Elio?
1: Sure. So it's a, like many entrepreneurial journeys, nonlinear. So I have a natural inclination toward technology and specifically computer technology, although that does extend into audio engineering as well as video and production. And that led me to work in Los Angeles for the Jim Henson company in the year 2000. That's when I graduated high school and moved over there. And I was at the beginning of the digitization of the audio industry, which used to rely on two-inch magnetic tape and million-dollar consoles. And now you can basically have all that horsepower in your laptop um, outside of the microphones and things that you would record with. So I saw what it took to take a legacy industry that had very specific and set ways of doing things that was very successful, that was on the precipice of change and a new paradigm shift. Um, from there, I took uh, the audio engineering took me to New York city where I also migrated back into more pure technology consulting and I worked for a four-person firm that specialized in integrating Apple technology at the corporate level. So we, one of our largest clients is Unilever International and we, we were responsible for all of their Apple technology worldwide, which means we had to deal with remote users in different uh, companies and because their corporate IT wouldn't touch the Apple stuff. <laughs> they would just say, no, we, we won't look at that, we don't understand it. Um, and and we would say it's just Unix with a pretty face on it, and they still wouldn't uh, acknowledge that. But we had to make sure that all of their specialized users, their graphic designers, their print designers, that made the products so appealing to sell globally, integrated with their corporate policy and their assets could be backed up, and more importantly, understand. The specific nature of those assets. So, a font isn't just a font. If you're an experienced designer, there are versions of them, and and they matter when you pull up a legacy design to do a retro campaign or something like that. Um, getting the right fonts to the printer, depending on what type, whether you're doing a standee or a large billboard, um, these things are real problems that um, large corporations like Adobe try to solve through their Creative Cloud platform. So uh, from there, oddly, I was exposed to a lot of very good food and I'm a bit of a health nut. And that led me to create a company called Cashew Cow, where I turned cashew nuts into ice cream. And that was my first funded uh, venture. I worked on it for four years, doing the proper you know, tests with customers, test with customers, tests with customers, and getting to the point where people would just leave their money and walk away, which is the best kind of sale where there is no sale. They're just like, your product value is very clear, thank you and goodbye. Uh, and so I worked on that. We raised the half a million dollars, and this was in about 2013. Um, and that led me to working at a lot of farmers' markets for those customer tests, where I ended up making an acquaintance. Who connected me with my current co-founder, Isaac Trumper, who is a PhD optical scientist, still in his twenties, who can also write low-level code like Rust, Python, and, um, and JavaScript. So my co-founders are Isaac Trumper and Logan Graves, another PhD, a young one, and they were in an industry which is, makes the modern world possible. This call is impossible without optical engineers. They make this, they design the screens, the cameras, the fiber optics that connect the internet, the camera lenses, um, and so many other technologies like uh, autonomous driving cannot exist without optical engineers. The microprocessors in our computers are done via a process called extreme ultraviolet lithography. That's an optical process. That industry is very much like the audio industry in the 2000s. It relies on decades old software, which is woefully underpowered and terrible, terrible, terrible outdated workflow processes. (laughs) I'll give you an example of of what we've all experienced as people. Um, I can't recall how many times I've accidentally sent the wrong version of a file to someone, Um, whether it's through email or through a Slack message. uh, And it's gotten a little better with things like Dropbox and a google drive with version control and software engineers laugh at us all because they start with git they start with version control and process management well a billion dollar telescope called the magellan telescope is currently under construction it consists of eight mirrors each mirror takes 20 tons of glass to make 12 weeks to form 12 weeks to cool off just so you can ship it and measure it and see if you got it right turns out One of those mirrors, the most important one, the center one, was made incorrectly, and they sourced the problem back to somebody picking the wrong version of the design file from an email thread. So, we're talking about the most precise industry relying on spreadsheets and uh, emails just to get their workflow for billion dollar telescopes. So, that's where LEO saw a problem. And my background as a tech support. Uh, type person saw this, whereas my co-founders see the optical science problems, the underpowered, the lack of AI in platforms and simulations that take days to run if your laptop doesn't crash. It is an artisanal and boutique industry that makes the modern world possible. So there is an enormous digitization and modernization opportunity there. And that's how we come to the present day
0: super wow uh you know interesting background in in what you're doing and again you know the the specialized platform you know addressing the optics industry seems unique to me and i i've seen a lot of startups and a lot of decks and uh You know, uh, it's exciting to always see new things that you haven't seen before. So uh, kudos to you and your team for coming up with this. So if you were, I'm going to ask you to do just a quick, like, if somebody were to ask you to give them an elevator pitch, kind of cover the overview of, you know, the problem, the solution, which you already shared some about, but problem, solution, you know, what the market's like, go-to-market strategy, that type of thing, and a, you know, a short elevator pitch, uh, and then we'll dig deeper and dive into that a little more
1: sure yeah um so in the optical engineering industry as i mentioned before it's a hard industry to pin down because it's horizontally integrated so the optical engineers make possible our microprocessors our camera lenses cameras for self-driving car lidar solar panels a lot of people don't understand that that's an optical technology um, as well as defense applications and all of those vertical markets rely on this horizontal market that is poorly has very outdated processes and as i mentioned earlier that involves emailing versions of design files to each other um, relying on um, experts within the industry because they're the one that knows how to do the specific thing Uh, manufacturing is is not integrated with design design is sort of in its own bucket and it's all siloed and all of these things so we've created a platform that if you could think of an analogy, think of it like Dropbox, but one that understands optical science and physics. Uh, that, that's where we're starting with our beachhead. So it's about making sure that the manufacturing, the um, optical engineers themselves, and more, and probably most importantly with this platform, the program managers, the people that connect the customer to the engineer, to the manufacturing, they have the hardest job right now. So I don't know if you enjoy making PowerPoint slides, but (laughs) imagine if you were a PhD optical scientist and you had to spend five to 10 hours a week building PowerPoint slides just to update your program manager so they can then synthesize an update for the customer. Our platform makes that a drag and drop. You can drag and drop your design file, your program manager gets a notification, and our system is so smart, it can actually parse that optical design file, which you can't do on Dropbox or Google Drive. So not only do you get version control and source control, you get an easy to understand um, update that automatically reconciles the design against the customer requirements. Everybody's on the same page at the same time. And it's literally a drag and drop to do that, which is there's a lot of magic going in secret sauce behind the scenes to make that possible. Um, but that's what we're doing. We're bringing the industry together in a single platform.
0: Okay. Fantastic. So you you mentioned a secret sauce. Is there an IP or anything that is pending on that? Or
1: Yes. So uh, to our knowledge, we have built the first cloud-based optical physics science engine on the planet. Now, there may be some in stealth projects and things like that, but that's what Isaac Trumper, our CTO, has created along with the help of our COO, who can also do um, software coding and understand the science behind it. Um, right now, optical science engines exist only on local workstations and at best can handle a couple cores. Um, so you're talking about running simulations with billions and trillions of different points of light that will take weeks and may fail and overheat your laptop. When our platform is ready to scale, we'll be able to do that with unlimited resources because it's in the cloud. Um, now there isn't, there isn't, um, you know, no, no solution is perfect in that sense of the cloud. Um, we've had to like when the audio industry was digitizing the same with the optics industry. ITAR uh, security compliance is a big concern. So we were able to address that through using the AWS uh, cloud.gov, which is an ITAR controlled environment. And like many entrepreneurs, you start to find traction when you get the right value proposition, the right set of conditions. And the second we did that, we stopped hearing objections about the cloud. Because um, the industry, again, is not in the cloud. So they're like, well, we'll never use that, even though they email each other design files. <laughs>
0: sure, sure. So uh, what, what's the go-to-market strategy then? How are you getting uh, this in front of your potential clients and clients yes. and customers?
1: Well, wonderfully, uh, because our my two co-founders are deeply connected within the optics industry, our go-to-market strategy has been direct relationships with large companies. We can speak with engineers at Raytheon, Apple, Microsoft, Facebook, um, but we're starting locally. We're based in Tucson, Arizona, and Tucson is a hub of optical science. There's a, the Wyant uh, College of Optics at the University of Arizona is probably the, the world class in optical education. The professors do commercial work there. So that was our first pilot. Pilot customer they're currently using our platform now in various lab groups and we're in negotiations to actually license the platform for the entire college 500 seats which is wonderful the amount of concentration of engineers in a single building is unusual um, outside of academia uh, secondly we have a smaller design firm that does work for the military Ruta Cardinal they've just agreed to come on our pilot platform and then we reached out to a leader in the industry Edmund Optics um, they are unique in that they have a manufacturing and uh, design uh, paradigm within their company. So they will do custom design, but then you can also buy their off the shelves and they manufacture it for it. So we get a wealth of data and we are currently under NDA with them working on their data for our pilot program. So the, the short story is we're working with direct connections first and we want to make sure we don't overwhelm our capacity to support these pilot users and integrate their feedback so the, the platform is truly matured through um a proper forging process uh, and isn't just our intuition uh solely our intuition. Um, and,
0: and what is what is your revenue model is this uh is it a licensing is it a you know SaaS based I It's mean, a
1: how- Sa- it's a SaaS platform so we'll do annual seats uh and right now we're doing at a pilot discount uh program but we expect about $1800 a seat annually per user. Um, and in our estimations of the current workforce, we estimate there's a minimum about 55,000 program managers, customer portals, and engineers who would just use that platform um, at that point. So that's our beachhead market estimation, um, and we're we're talking just in the United States. Um, there is a big optics community in Germany, Japan, um, South Korea. China is different. There's a lot more manufacturing there than there is design. So that, that's a market we would enter much further in the evolution of our company.
0: Okay, this is extremely interesting to me. So uh, when you say that it's discounted pilot, does that mean that you are generating some revenue? Through we the- have
1: a, a, a minimal amount of revenue right now, but we, uh, through one of our uh, pre-seed investors, we uh, were connected to a very experienced corporate salesperson who sold for IBM Watson and now sells for uh, Philips, I believe. And, uh, he recommended that we always do a paid pilot program to put us through the process of dealing with legal dealing with contracts. It doesn't matter what the discount or the revenue it's about the process. So we started from day one with his advice. So
0: that's in that solid, great advice. So, uh, so, where are you at then as far as looking at uh, officially what what's your projection and milestones for launching for going for full-scale revenue and uh talk a little bit about that
1: sure so uh the reason we're in a fundraising round ra- uh, a lot of uh, companies within this industry bootstrap it because you can make good revenue and you can take a decade well we don't believe that there's a decade's worth of opportunity to wait on this um, our, the largest market leader in our space is a company called ANSyS. They have a 33 billion dollar market cap. They're a publicly traded company and they have just recently acquired the market leader in optical engineering uh, it's a bit nuanced, but it's called sequential uh, design software and that is a company called ZMAX, which they just acquired um, and they're on a big tear to acquire a bunch of companies. They are potentially a company that would be interested in acquiring us. Or a competitor. It's you know, it's the sure. classic Microsoft paradigm in the old days where it's like, either we own you or we'll destroy you. But <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, you no, know, I, I think the optics industry really does promote innovation. So there is a, a rising tide lifts all ships sentiment. So, um, But where we are is my two co-founders are playing the role of full stack developer, DevOps, sales, marketing, and their PhD optical scientists who should be focusing on that. So we're really raising to bring... What we learn from our pilot program and commercialize that in a stable, secure platform that we can then sell um, and it is dynamically um, uh, evolving, whereas right now we simply would not have the experience so that's our first hire is really bringing in the software platform developer not the science platform developers um, so that we can commercialize that and we're looking within this year to grow that revenue base rather significantly Um, our first public outing will be in february at the photonics and optics conference in san francisco it's called spie photonics west and traditionally it's the largest one in the world now i don't know if international travel will happen this year but that's, it fills up the entire Moscone Center in San Francisco. And it's remarkable when you think, nobody knows about this industry. And then you go there and you're like, oh, Japan brought a delegation. Canada sure. brings a delegation. It, it's, it's big time. It's really fun. So we would be there. And our, our goal is to finish the pilot program within three to six months um, post-funding so that we have integrated and have a mature platform that people can just go to our website and sign up to and start generating revenue.
0: Okay. And the raise then, what type of runway are you looking at for this raise then?
1: Yeah. So this raise- will And how much us- is the raise? I'm sorry. The, the raise, like- we're looking at a million dollar raise. And w- there's potential some room for some oversubscription in there, but we're looking at a million dollar raise. And the vast majority of those funds will be HR burn for our software development team. So we don't have inventory. Uh, we're not doing any sort of hard tech um, like that. So that burn will give us a 12-month burn, um, give or take three or six months based on revenue projections. But we don't expect to be revenue positive within that year. There's going to be a lot of development work and outreach. And the sales cycles can be tricky with this industry be depending on if we're dealing with a customer that has government contracts so it's a weird trickle-down effect where the government cycle may affect a private company that we're then licensing to but so far we've seen once we demo the platform we usually are on at least to the pilot program within a couple weeks
0: okay fantastic so uh what what would you expect then what's your projection for being you know getting into the being you know even projecting out in a course as always, it's always a projection when you're sure. looking at, at companies that are, you know, at the stage that you're at. But what are you looking at as far as a targeted date for cash flow positive, and what would you expect to see then as far as growth and potential exit uh, timeframe?
1: Sure. Um, within the first two years, we would expect the platform, which we will call it, we call it Spark. That's our our process management platform and uh that one is going to have your high sas margins on it and uh it's our first product and we believe that would be revenue positive by year two um in and of itself it's specific development um and we believe we could have at least five to ten percent of that hundred million dollar market um within two to two to three years um and that would be the purely just going after the process management slice, not the actual design and engineering slice, which we believe will take a, another raise to be able to address that at scale, which is when you start getting into the physics and the science as a plat like a think of it as a CAD platform, but for optical engineering. So um, that
0: that would be looking more like into a Series A or? Correct, like correct. Yes, okay. this
1: raise, we are specifically focusing on commercialization of our process management platform, Spark, and making it self-sustaining. But it is really, I don't think Trojan Horse is the correct analogy here, but what ha- there is no aggregate data within our industry. It's very frustrating. And without aggregate data, you cannot train neural networks and AI. Our platform becomes the key for making that possible. And any design suite in the future that does not leverage neural networks for designing optics will be an antique. And so that's really where our A-round will start to focus is we'll have this platform with this incredible amount of decades worth of data aggregated that we can understand and then train our neural networks. So that'll give us a competitive advantage that simply can't be replicated unless you have the data.
0: Okay, fantastic. You know, you can see your your kind of passion and your love and knowledge for, you know, what you're doing. And, uh, you know, that that that's very clear and evident. So let me ask you, uh, what are, you know, you've already done a precede round yes. for what you mentioned. What are mm-hmm. some of the pain points or, you know, roadblocks that you've ran into when it comes to funding?
1: Yeah, um well, our pre-seed round was lovely because we, we knew enough accredited investors that were in our close circle to be able to test the idea, test the waters. We did a convertible note, um, so we made sure that it was uh, the right balance for us and the right type of um, instrument to use at that time. And the first obstacle is no one knows what we're talking about. And traditional pitches, especially if you're coached to pitches, avoid education and explanation. And... Then, and they're like, we'll do a market analysis. Okay. No one has done that in our industry. Even the the information bodies like SPIE, OSA, and the National Photonics Caucus, which exists uh, now, is a big imp, uh, initiative in Congress. Um, they cannot give you good data on what the revenue is for the engineering software for the market. It's very top down. There's $2 trillion worth of photonics-enabled products made every year. Okay, Great. <laughs> Now, how do we talk about the people who build tooling and manufacturing? It's not well understood. So that's a challenge for us as a business that we've had to aggregate and even commission a few of our own internal studies on. Um, so that's a big one there. So we, we try to, we try to say in our pitch, you know, this isn't possible. Look around you. Everything in your life, not just your eyeglasses, but every light in the room was designed by an optical engineer in software. All your LEDs. Um, your car doesn't drive without an optical engineer because of your backup camera and the chips that are inside of it. So that has helped when we connect it to a practical thing. Um, and then another side, because that aggregate data is murky is, We've talked to VCs that were a great fit. They thought we were an epic team and they didn't see venture scale. So they're looking at it. They're like, well, maybe we're not right for you because we're really looking for this multiple of exit. And if we start out with a modest $500 million market opportunity, you know, that, that sometimes appeals to angels and, you know, family firms. But a VC would say, well, there's not enough gain to offset my risk because 90% of these things that I'm investing are going to fail. And I'm going to look like a genius for the 10% that average out that's successful. Um, but the real key is that the the market opportunity. So I, I hearken back to my last name. My last name is Shockley. And any engineering fan understands that name as being one of the co-inventors of the transistor. And Shockley Semiconductors is the official home of Silicon Valley that's that's there's a sign where the building used to be there and the fundamental use of light as our technology of the future is the opportunity it will supplant semiconductors and electronics because we are reaching the physical end of semiconductors and electronics there's no more nanometers to go (laughs) so um, light-based microprocessors for example At scale, when produced for the same computational power, they use 60% less energy and they're 10 times faster in transmission of data. So imagine that at a, a, a cloud data center from a carbon impact, from a processing impact, from a battery life impact on your smartphone. So that's really what you're investing in. If you want to stick around for the long term, the short term, we could have a nice acquisition exit in three to five years from a company like Ansys PTC out of Boston. We're in talks with them. They have the cloud CAD platform. They would love the optical side so they could have the full stack glued together. Um, and an acquisition there, which would be a nice 10 X 20 X 30 X return. Um, but if you want to stick it out, the opportunity in optics and photonics is the same as in the seventies and the eighties with semiconductors.
0: Fantastic! You know, you know, uh, wonderful speaking with you. Uh, If if someone wants to reach out and connect with you, what's the best way to connect with you, Jeremy?
1: Sure, Uh, you can just email me directly if you'd like. J Shockley, S H O C K L E Y at Leo Optics, which is just e l e o p t i c s dot com. You can reach our website. I'm happy if you'd like to call <laughs> that's fine as well uh you could reach reach out to me directly via my phone number which is area code 323-841-5288 and of course the contact form on our website e-l-e-o-p-t-i-c-s dot com uh will get to us as well
0: okay fantastic and a lot of this information we'll have posted with the video and uh you know again i appreciate your time uh it's been fascinating and interesting learning more about uh, what you're doing with Elio. And I wish you the most success and the best in the future here. We All look right, forward you. to hearing and seeing more about what you're doing.
1: Yes. Thank you, Jerry. I appreciate it.
0: Thanks for your time.